Hello, and welcome to the Return to Vibrant Health podcast, a show highlighting the power of lifestyle instead of pills and procedures to prevent, stop, and even reverse many of today's chronic illnesses. I'm your host, Susie Spell. I'm a nurse practitioner and a health coach trained in lifestyle medicine, as well as holistic and mind-body practices. I am on a mission to spread hope and healing, and in doing so, empower you to take control of your health destiny. Today's guest is Dr. Melissa Sunderman, a plant-based physician practicing for over 20 years now. She is double board certified in both internal medicine and lifestyle medicine. She's also trained in integrative medicine and has completed professional training in mind-body medicine through the Center for Mind-Body Medicine in D.C. She currently practices lifestyle medicine in her dream job at Canyon Ranch in Lenox, Massachusetts, where she's affectionately known as Dr. Nature. She walks the talk and she practices what she preaches. She ran the Boston Marathon 10 times, finished three full Ironman triathlons, and she's always up for more active adventures. And if you follow her, you'll see her jumping everywhere she goes. I bet her husband and adult children and dogs have to work to keep up with her. And to her, age is just a number, as it is to me too, because I am perpetually 29. I love her LinkedIn posts. You should follow her over there. She's been featured in many lifestyle medicine articles. She's been an invited speaker for national medical conferences, one of which I just attended, and she gave a beautiful talk on nature, which we're going to discuss today. And she's passionate about creating that healing partnership with her patients, because really, I think that's where healing begins and is supported. She guides them to better health, overall well-being, using the six official pillars of lifestyle medicine. And as a bonus that we both believe in, which is Mother Nature. So we're about to hear how daily exposure to nature and fresh air not only soothes the soul, but actually improves our physiology, how our bodies physically function, and how that can help our emotional health as well. Today's episode is going to be fascinating and inspiring and might just make you want to kick off your shoes and walk barefoot on the grass. So welcome, Dr. Sunderman. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled that when you reached out to me that you had been at my talk and that you too were a nature lover and believer. And thanks for having me here today. You're welcome. So why don't we start off with, I want to learn a little bit more about you so our listeners can have an idea of where you're coming from. Tell us a little bit about your journey into medicine and to where you are now. Sure. So I'll take you back probably to when I was seven or eight years old and had this curiosity about medicine. Uh, no one in my family was in the medical field. No doctors, no nurses, no mental health providers. But I remember visiting a hospital to see a, a family member and just wanting to walk around and just thinking, this is really, really cool. So just from an early age, had that curiosity, had that passion. So I went to undergrad and sort of a pre-med. I did research in a lab all during undergrad. This is when women in science was just coming to fruition. So I was in a, a program called Women in Science at the University of Michigan. So I worked in a lab. I thought, well, this is pretty interesting too. Maybe I want to do research. But after taking two gap years between undergrad and medical school, I, I really realized that I like the human connection. Definitely use research-based evidence in medicine, but I really wanted to work with people. So I went to medical school. I am a DO, doctor of osteopathy. I think 
today's day and age, most people are aware of DOs and that we are real doctors. I went to Michigan State University that has an allopathic MD program as well as an osteopathic program. So we took all of the core sciences together. And then as DOs, we're also trained in something called osteopathic manual medicine. I don't quite keep up with that. Just I've worn many different hats during my 20 plus years of practicing medicine. So when I was a hospitalist, pretty hard to do manipulation on uh, patients on vents. But I think from the very start, I was trained to look at the body and an individual as an integrated system. So that's just how I've always thought of medicine and wellness and healing. So I went on to do an internal medicine residency because I really liked to establish long-term relationships with my patients. And I, I loved everything. I loved cardiology. I loved pulmonology, endocrinology, everything. So as an internist, we did a lot of hospital rotations. And so I knew how to take care of acutely ill patients, you know, to well visits. And so practiced internal medicine. Um, and during that time, always was interested in how I could best help heal my patients. And so I had this gravitation towards learning more about that. And while I was working at the University of Michigan, had the opportunity to do a faculty scholars program in integrative medicine. And that was a year-long academic program where different than Andrew Wiles' program in that we weren't really trained specifically in the modalities, but we were introduced to everything from Reiki to homeopathy to naturopathic medicine to traditional Chinese medicine. So it really opened my eyes and my heart of how many more ways of healing there are other than conventional Western medicine. And a lot of these modalities had been around a lot longer. So I think that that just made me a better physician, a better healer. And from then, uh, as we mentioned in my introduction, I went on to do James Gordon, um, Center for Mind-Body Medicine, Professional Training in Mind-Body Medicine. So as I went through my career, um, whether it was working in the office, whether it was working in the inpatient setting, I was always trying to apply the things that I had learned about how I could help people. I also, you know, very much wanted to linearize my personal beliefs along with my professional beliefs. So I tried to practice uh, these behaviors myself. So fast forward, raising kids, working mom, I, you probably have been through this too. Many, many women have of wearing two hats, well, many different hats, but, um, you know, feeling like, okay, I'm a doctor mom, um, but I'm, I'm also a mom mom. And then when my kids went off to college in about 2017, 2018, I felt like, wow, okay, now I can get more selfish. And I, someone's like, Melissa, don't feel like you were selfish by doing that. It was just, I had more time to devote to my career, my profession. And I really felt by then I'd already been practicing for close to 20 years. I really wanted to follow my passion and my true calling, which I, I just had this feeling deep in my heart was more than pills and procedures. So I came upon the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, actually through a Google search. Somehow the universe just like put that up. And I'm sure you Felt a similar way of I read through the pillars of lifestyle medicine and gave me the chills because it felt like coming home. I felt like I've been this outlier unicorn of medicine saying, oh, you know, go outside and go for a walk. That can help your blood pressure too. And then other people are like, oh no, just take the pill. I'm like, no, 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 there's there's more to this. So I became board certified in lifestyle medicine in 2019. And ever since that time, I have so many blessings in my life. You know, I've got a wonderful husband, wonderful kids, wonderful family, a great life. But one of the biggest blessings has been discovering lifestyle medicine. Just you hear terms, you know, burnout, resiliency in medicine. It's a tough time amongst many careers, medicine including. And to find a group of professionals that's a college that's evidence-based that we truly can help people empower people. And what that's done for me and just 
My well-being has been tremendous. The American College of Lifestyle Medicine, uh, all 10,000 of us, I think we're all best friends. The about 3,300 physicians worldwide, we're so supportive of each other. And so as of 2019, I was like, this is my calling. I am going to do anything I can to keep following this pathway. And lo and behold, at the age of 52, I got my dream job and I'm at Canyon Ranch, like you said, um, for the listeners who maybe aren't familiar, Canyon Ranch has been around for over 40 years. We are a wellness resort, very integrative. We have a medical department. A lot of wellness resorts do a lot of yoga and spa, but don't have a medical department. So we have a full-on medical department. We do diagnostic testing. We have nutritionists on staff, sports medicine, exercise physiologists, culinary medicine, mental health, spiritual health, of course, the spa, massage things like that, uh, state-of-the-art gym. So it's a wonderful place. We're under one roof. Uh, guests can come, individuals can come and really learn about how to be more healthy, healthful, and improve and optimize their overall well-being. That's amazing. I love your story. And I love that you are drawn to that systems thinking. I always used to tell patients, we're not just little buckets you know, of systems. It's all a big web that's interconnected. And opening your heart to additional ways of healing, that has happened for me too, but not really until I found lifestyle medicine and some other things happened in my life to really expand my thinking about that. And I think the ACLM, the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, helps us do that and gives us a place. So following your true calling, I think that's a a lesson for all of us, right? To really tap into what our heart-centered pull is. Right. And it's never too late, right? I say like... You know, and I, I've got, um, my son is 23 and just starting off on his, you know, career or just graduated from college. And I say, don't worry, Blake. It only took me about 25 years to find you know, truly what I wanted to do. But along the way, of course, serving that foundation, you know, and wouldn't be where I'm at today if I didn't go through all of the 25 years of what I've learned in my journey. And yeah, it's just honed in on to, you know, truly being authentic to myself. And that's what feels so good is that, you know, you see people who are in business and I'm just not a very business-minded person. Like, you know, this is the biggest trend. So I'm going to jump on that. What I have to do is something that aligns with what I personally believe, how I personally live my own life, and then to be truly authentic about it. And so what's been so exciting, and, uh, you know, I tell my husband, who's not in medicine all the time, I'm like, I can't believe people actually like, want to listen to me because I'm just talking about things that I absolutely love, you know, and this is not me faking it. It's not me saying, oh, this is what people want to, you know, trendy and want to make money at. And so that just is a wonderful place to to live and be. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think a lot of us, whether you're on the provider side or the patient side, are craving that meaning because it's gotten to be where it's such a, you know, moving people through the medical even if you're in a primary care, moving through so quickly that you don't feel that connection. And that's where the healing takes place. Absolutely. So you did mention one service that I would love for you to just expand on a little bit for people who've never heard it. You said that at Canyon Ranch, you have culinary medicine. Can you tell us what that is? Uh, So think about restaurants and think about nutritionists, right? A lot of times in restaurants, chefs, to school and they get all this training to make food taste delicious and to look really pretty and be presentable, but not necessarily be helpful, right? And you look at, and I'm making generalizations, right? You look at people who are trained in nutrition and they know what 
healthful eating looks like. And people will say like, you know, I happen to be plant forward, plant slant. And people are like, oh, all you do is eat lettuce. And I'm like, oh, contraire, mon frere. But nutritionists, I think people think, okay, you know how to eat healthy, but that doesn't taste good. So culinary medicine blends the two of promoting healthful, health enriching foods and dietary patterns that are good for our bodies, good for our minds, taste good, look good. And so there's programs, Tulane University has a wonderful culinary medicine. T. Colin Campbell is about plant-based nutrition. There's some wonderful culinary medicine chefs out there. Um, Chef Colin Zhu is a wonderful guy. He gave a um, workshop at ACLM. So we're seeing forward motion here. In fact, at Canyon Ranch, two of our nutritionists are actually chef trained as well. So I'm working to collaborate with them to do a, um, a plant-based workshop where you know they have the nutrition training and expertise as well as the chef training. And I will you know, talk about the benefits of a plant-forward dietary pattern. And so that's where we blend the two with culinary medicine that just like Hippocrates said many, many decades, centuries ago, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. And that's what culinary medicine really aims to do. I love that. I think that's going to rapidly grow. I just have a, a feeling. <laughs> Can we get into the nature part a little bit? Because what I want to do and highlight is the physical and mental benefits of exposure to nature, how it helps our body systems, how it helps our mental health, how we can get more of it, and any kind of tips, tricks, tools, anything that you want to share with us to kind of up-level that. Because I feel like so many of us are just sitting a lot of the day. We're not out and about. And I just want to start with maybe some of the benefits of nature. Yeah. So I'll, I'll go back a little bit. Um, some of the, the points that you made is you feel like people aren't going outdoors a lot and a lot of remote working. And you're absolutely right. The EPA did a survey that most Americans, only 7% of their day is spent outdoors. That's pretty pathetic. Most of the time we're inside buildings, whether it's our houses, our workplaces, our schools, our automobiles, we're rarely outdoors, right? And that's the way society and technology has gone. I mean, which innovation is wonderful, right? But modern conveniences mean that we're not outdoors. You know, we're not a tribal civilization anymore. So we use our modern conveniences, but we've gotten away with just the beauty of nature and the healing powers of nature. And we've become more sedentary as well. Remote working is wonderful. You know, it's wonderful balance and family life, dogs. <laughs> but a lot of times with remote working, my patients, at least I'm taking this from my patients, is they're more sedentary. You know, usually when you had to go to work, you would have to park in a parking lot and then you would at least get outside walking from your parking lot into your office. And once you got to your office, you probably had to go to the coffee machine or you had to go to the cafeteria or you had to go collaborate with someone else in a different cubicle. Remote working, people, you know, sit down at your desk and maybe you go to the kitchen to grab a snack or lunch, but rarely get outdoors because you just kind of get, you know, one-on-one -on -one with the computer all day. So I think as a society, we have just gone away from nature. And actually, the healing powers of nature and probably, you know, really originated this first studies were with Shinrin Yoku and forest bathing. And that was in the early 80s in Japan. And one of the key investigators was Dr. King Lee. And so if anyone wants to read his book, he's one of the very early pioneers of 
uh, forest bathing. And then in Japanese, it means the benefits of being outdoors with nature. And the reason why they started the first study was in Japan, they were looking at ways to reduce stress in their workforce. So they knew that stress was related to cortisol levels and immune function, natural killer cells. So Dr. King Lee was like, well, if we could prove that going out to nature boosts our immunity, perhaps that's going to help reduce stress and everything like that. So back in the early 80s, he took a group of people out to the forest and he measured natural killer cell activities. We know that natural killer cell activities are involved in inflammation, immunity, cancer. If you have higher natural killer cell activities, it can lower the risk of developing a cancer and fighting infections and just boosting your immune system. And what he found of just taking subjects out into the forest, just spending time in nature, they had a boost in their natural killer cell activity. He took them out for two days. They saw a boost from control on day one, a higher boost on day two. They left the forest and then he measured natural killer cell activity again day 30. And they still had an elevation in natural killer cell activity from baseline. So when I talk to patients, I'm like, I have got the best prescription for you. They're like, really? I'm like, oh my gosh, the benefits are amazing. Oh, really? What about the side effects? Well, there are no bad side effects. I said, let me take that back. You might get a bee sting. Uh, you might get some poison ivy, but really the only side effects are good side effects. And they're like, well, what about the cost? And I said, a lot of times it's free. You can just step outside. Oh, well, how long does it last? Do I have to take this prescription every single day? And I said, well, it'd be ideal if you do, but studies have shown that it's a long acting medication. It can last up to 30 days. You know, we have in medicine, some medications that are once a month, like the popular ones are like Fosamax for your bone health, other injections, maybe B12 injection once a month, but that's where nature, I'm like, this is like the ideal prescription. So that's kind of the origin. There's been studies and we're getting more and more research coming out about the benefits of nature. I think anything in science, anything in medicine is and it's right. We need evidence-based, right? But I think intuitively, like cultures have shown that being outdoors is beneficial, but now we're seeing this interest and we're getting research. So now people are like, oh, it actually does work because the research supports it. Okay. So that's fine. So I applaud the research that's going on because I think it just helps us back our case even stronger, even though, again, I'm going to come back to Hippocrates, who another one of his favorite quotes that I love is nature heals and the physician treats, right? So again, Hippocrates, a very wise father of medicine, knew this all along. Right. I feel like they were maybe more connected <laughs> to the natural world than we are yeah, today. Exactly. And one exactly. of the things that looking back on when my children were little, they constantly wanted to be outside, constantly. And they wanted to be outside barefoot, which was okay for me. But I just would think, gosh, they always want to be outside. And then something happens to us and we make that shift to the indoors, you know? Right. And, you know, the con the term biophilia, which was a term originally coined by Eric Fromm, social psychologist, but then many of us are familiar with biophilia and the concept of biophilia from E.O. Wilson, who has done a lot of writing about biophilia. And biophilia is the innate connection of all living things. Simply that. We are made of carbon. So are our trees, our flowers, animals. So there is this innate desire to be connected to all things living. 
And that's when you talk about your kids, like they just wanted to be outdoors. Well, that's a primal need, I believe. And somehow as we are indoctrined to society and to, you know, our 21st century is that kind of gets driven out. We go to school indoors, we work indoors for the most part, you know, we live indoors and then safety concerns, obviously like things like the society is different than when I grew up in the seventies, but yeah, biophilia, that's, we are more connected and we want to be connected. It's like the web of life, living. the web of life. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I have a couple things. One is, you know, I live in Florida, not far from the beach. So do you think we could explore the blue spaces too? Because that was one thing that I learned that was new. Of course, I know that when I go to the beach and walk on the beach and hear the waves, that there's just something soothing about it. Absolutely. And so I think that when we talk about forest bathing, Shimanyoku and green spaces, we can't forget about the second part, which is blue spaces. And you're absolutely right. Blue spaces meaning any body of water, whether that's a giant ocean or a lake or a pond or a stream or a river, similar connections. Now, there's be some differences in that phytoncides, the healing organic volatile compounds, phytoncides that have healing properties are only given off by green living things. But when you go to the blue spaces and the healing, and like you said, like the meditative and the calming and the grounding that occurs, I shared a study in the talk at um, the American College of Lifestyle Medicine that really looked at early childhood exposure to blue spaces and the outcomes in middle life. And what they found were those individuals who were exposed to blue spaces tended to rank higher in their well-being scales during middle adulthood. They sort of hypothesized that having these early childhood exposures, which many of them were likely positive, just sort of ingrained this um, connection to blue spaces. And then perhaps therefore, as they were growing up, they recalled that well-being, maybe even subconsciously, and tend to go more. Like you're living in Florida and you're like, wow, being around the ocean and walking the beach just brings me a sense of calm. And maybe it's because like early on in life, you had that experience. And so you, you know that. Anytime I talk about going outdoors and creating the an awareness, a mindfulness practice about it, because I think that nature, whether it's green spaces or blue spaces, is one of the the few times that we can use all five of our senses. So let's use walking on the beach. What's five things you can see? Well, you probably see some shells and maybe some the sand grains or some sand castles or the seagulls flying over, you know, things that you can hear, the waves, things you can smell, the salt water, maybe some dead fish, things you can taste. Well, you know, maybe you're not catching them yourself, but maybe something, you know, from the ocean or you have some kelp later on in the day. So it's really a practice that can ground you and can be an active meditation. And just even with oceans and things like that, with the waves and the sound patterns. And I know when I go hiking out in the, here in the Berkshires, um, there's a lot of rivers and streams and waterfalls. And just that soundscape is just absolutely mesmerizing and just beautiful and awe-inspiring. You know, I've got some of my favorite books here. And, and one of my favorite books is Tracking Wonder by Jeffrey Davis. And I think that what nature can provide which is not talked about a lot, is just the the curiosity that nature brings, the awe-inspiring experiences, the sense of wonder, of discovery. I 
I tend to run um, very early in the morning before the sun even rises. And so I have a headlamp for most of my run. And this morning I was finishing up my run and I thought, gosh, why do these houses look pink? And then this is for people that have, uh, I just got to show you my sun sunrise. I turned around and that is what I saw behind me. Oh my goodness. It's beautiful. And so again, just this unexpected gift that nature provides, right? So when we're truly present with nature to see the discovery, and that doesn't matter if you're, you know, young kid and you're digging for worms and what you find, or whether you're an adult on your seven mile morning run and you turn around and go, oh my God, look at that. (laughs) So I think that's where nature and discovery, curiosity, wonder, awe are just these gifts that can really help bolster our mood and our overall sense of well-being. Absolutely. And that reminds me, I, some time ago, you know, we're in Florida, so we get these big storms and then we get rainbows. And I was walking out of work one day and I turned around. I don't even know why the sky was beautiful, you know, purpley orange. And I turned around for whatever reason. And there was this huge ginormous double rainbow over my building. And it looked like my building was in a big bubble. And I was like, you know, it was just not that it scared me, but I was like, oh my gosh, that awe and wonder of it just catches you and elevates your mood. Like you said, it's so wonderful. And we're getting more and more data to support the benefits of getting early morning or morning daylight. And in fact, I had a call earlier this morning with a a very prominent gastroenterologist who spoke at ACLM, so you probably know who I'm talking about. And he said, oh, I've just had a tough morning. I started with early morning meetings, but I haven't been outdoors yet today. And I'm like, I totally hear you because what we're finding, it's just getting that early day exposure to light, not the lights overhead, but natural light is so beneficial to our overall well-being. So I really encourage people like my patients, like, no, you don't have to get up and like run like I do. Like, no, but if you can step outside and just, you know, for five, 10 minutes, which I probably should talk about the nature dose when we're talking about what evidence is suggesting as far as our dose prescription, right? I already talked about that acting. So what has been consistent in the literature thus far is your nature dose, uh, your goal is 20 minutes per day to reap the benefits and the benefits, including what we already talked about, boosting your immune system through that natural killer cell activity, but also decreasing cortisol. Cortisol is our stress hormone. We need some cortisol, like you can't live without cortisol. I'm sure you've seen in the hospital people who like have no cortisol in their body and we, they like decompensate, right? So we need some stress hormone, but a prolonged level of elevated cortisol and inflammation in the body is detrimental. So being out in nature, 20 minutes decreases cortisol levels, can decrease blood pressure, both systolic and diastolic, the top and bottom number, and decrease heart rate. So 20 minutes per day and or 120 minutes per week is what the optimal dose is. It seems to peak that um, as we get more and more benefits, peaks at about 200 to 300 minutes per week. So you don't have to be, I mean, great if you've got access to, you know, and you've got the time to hike for an hour every day, but it doesn't have to be like that. And for people who really are busy during the week, work, jobs, kids, family life, and just can't get outdoors, if you can get that in over the weekend, try to aim for 120 minutes, which would be you know maybe an hour on Saturday, an hour on Sunday, is going to be beneficial as well. That's great. Thank you for that. And I, so one thing I was going to ask you, so what I did this morning, I walked the dogs for 20 minutes. I came back. I took my shoes off. I went out back. I was in the grass. I did some squats and some little arm exercises. The whole thing took me less than 30 minutes. 
And I was thinking to myself, I'm going to ask Dr. Sunderman, does this count? <laughs> like, does that count? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> right? And as you were walking outdoors, you probably passed some trees. Those trees, shrubs, anything green emits phytoncides, which I mentioned earlier, which are these organic volatile compounds. The plants emit these phytoncides to protect themselves because they have antibacterial and antifungal properties. But guess what? They also emit them. Okay. So when we are around green spaces, whether you live in the city and go to Central Park, whether, you know, you live on a beach community, but you're taking a walk, just being around those green living organisms, you'll inhale those phytoncides and we see an increased boost in natural killer cell activity and immunity. In fact, coming back to Dr. King Lee, who did the original Shinrin Yoku, he did a study about this. Um, this would not pass IRB standards now, but he basically took subjects, I think 12 of them, locked them into individual hotel rooms for three days, wouldn't let them leave, and either infused essential oils from Japanese cypress trees into the rooms versus infused nothing. And what they found was they measured natural killer cell activities after those three days, and the guests that had stayed in the rooms with the cypress trees being admitted, the essential oils had a higher level of natural killer cell activity. Oh, wow, that's awesome. And it's so fascinating. Can you also comment on how breathing different environments may help our gut health? So, yeah. So there's um, studies to support that. And I'll say that we're learning more and more about the gut microbiome, right? I mean, 37 trillion organisms that live in our gut microbiome bacteria, fungi, viruses, archaea, more organisms in our gut microbiome than cells in our body. So we are actually the host of our gut microbiome. We know that 70% of our immune system resides in the gut microbiome. So not just like fighting off infection, but immune system inflammation that you know relates to heart disease, to insulin resistance, to even things like dementia. And then 90% of our serotonin receptors, and we are familiar with serotonin being quote unquote, the happy hormone. We have many medications, the SSRIs that we prescribe for mood. And so just by optimize your gut microbiome, which there's different ways to manipulate your gut microbiome. The food we eat definitely does. Movement does. Um, there's studies to suggest when you go from sedentary to light activity to moderate activity, we are increasing our short chain fatty acids. And one of them being butyrate, and butyrate goes all over our body to do all these wonderful things of decreasing inflammation and promoting health. So just moving our body. I like to use the word movement rather than exercise. I think exercise can be intimidating to some people, but it, they think they have to go to a gym and lift heavy weights and get on the treadmill. And they're like, uh, that's not for me. Moving your body is anything that brings you pleasure and joy that you like to do. So whether that's like you said, walking your dog, whether that's bird watching, whether that's collecting shells on the beach, whether that's playing pickleball, I don't care. If you're moving your body, that's good in my mind. Dance parties. Totally, totally. So we look at terms in the gut microbiome with nature. One of the studies I shared during my presentation was this, I think it was a 10-week study, play and grow. They looked at preschoolers and basically they had these preschoolers go play outdoors. Go figure. I mean, <laughs> isn't that what we all should be doing? So they were digging in the dirt. They're building tree forts. They were looking for worms, building fairy gardens. And they took before and after assessments as far as um, overall well-being and poop samples. And what they found was after this six or 10-week program, they did score higher on overall well-being, but their poop samples showed higher levels of serotonin. 
So just by being around outdoors, digging in the dirt, the, the biome, again, coming back to biophilia, the biome of the dirt and the soil and the bacteria there and us being exposed to that is going to improve our gut microbiome and diversity. What pops in my head for adults is get out there to garden if you can. Absolutely. And I think gardening, when we talk about movement, I, um, being an internist, I've had a large geriatric population. And so mobility becomes an issue. And I say gardening can be one of the best forms of movement for you. Usually the things you're growing in your garden, actually all of them, I want you to eat because that's good for your gut microbiome, um, fiber, 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 plants. And then just things like eating is good for dexterity and movement. Uh, you figure if you're mowing a lawn, you're moving, digging in the dirt with your gut microbiome. So gardening is a really wonderful form of movement and can be a, a, a very grounding, meditative, mindfulness practice too, you know, just losing yourself and focusing on these plants and creating and cultivating something beautiful. Mm, I love that. You know, one thing I wanted to circle back to just to, to make a little statement, I guess, piggyback on what you said, getting that early morning sunlight, if people can move as early as possible within 30 to 60 minutes of waking up in the morning, move your body outside you're getting a lot of benefits, right? You're setting the clock in your brain so that you can sleep better at night. You're getting physical movement and you're getting exposure to nature if you're in a safe place where you can do that. So that's a win-win-win right there. Absolutely. And to, to really simplify it, I love Rich Roll has a, another wonderful podcast. Um, and one of his quotes that I just love, it's so simple, it's mood follows action. So many times I feel that individuals it's action follows mood. Like, ah, uh, I'm going to go exercise or I'm going to go do this or that when I feel like it. Well, a lot of times if we wait to feel like it, it doesn't happen. So if you flip that and say, I'm going to take the action first, my mood is likely to follow. So a lot of times I live, I've lived in Michigan and now in Massachusetts, we have this um, season called winter. I know you don't have that in Florida. I lived in Michigan, so I know about it. Yes. So it tends to last a really long time. And my quote is, there's no bad weather, just inappropriate clothing. And I run very early in the morning before work because that's what worked for me. I can control that time. And so there's a lot of days where I'm like, I've got my, you know, balaclava on and hat and double layer tights. I'm like, oh. And so I just tell myself, you know what? Just start. If you need to turn around in five minutes because it's horrible and miserable, you can do that. Guess what? Most of the time, I don't turn around. And 100% of the time when I finish, I feel better. I've never had a time that I come back unless I've fallen or something like that. But if I move my body outdoors, you know, and, and some people prefer going indoors to exercise. I just find that I can move my body and get the benefits of nature, uh, double whammy, get that early light exposure. Like it's just like I can get all of that uh, packaged up uh, in one. And so mood follows action. Yes, I firmly believe that. And I can get very sucked into what I'm doing, working or whatever. And, you know, the other day, my husband said, I'm going to go to the park. And I said, okay, fine, I'm going to go too. <laughs> but I was like, wait, I want to finish what I'm doing. But I know that if I get out there, I'm just going to feel better. And more productive, and right? More productive, I mean, I yeah. think during my morning patients and afternoon patients, I try to go outdoors, you know, just for whatever time, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, just go for a walk, because then I come back. And as physicians, when we're with our patients, we need to be present. We need to give ourselves to that patient who's in our room. And in order for me to be 100% present with my patient, I need to be my best self. And part of being my best self is, is my own well-being and my own self-care. And so I try to get outdoors, go for my 
wellness workday walk and I just kind of unplug. And then I come back after that and I'm like, okay, let's go. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I love that. I think it's a good lesson for any of us. All of us are busy, right? I mean, we're just all busy. We can find a little slice of time because it's going to help, as you already talked about, many things like our immune system and inflammation and, and dementia and all these other things. It's so beautiful. I appreciate you spending this time with me. Can you tell people either um, you mentioned the book that you love called Tracking Wonder? Right. I've got a couple other ones. Yeah. So when we talk about writers who've really made an impact, Richard Luoff is one of these writers and authors. So this is his book, The Natural Principle. He also wrote the book, Last Child in the Woods. And, you know, it talks about attention deficit. And we see more and more of that, not only in, in kids, but a lot of patients, you know, come to me and they're on things like Adderall and things like that. So being out in nature can help with that. Another wonderful book is Florence Williams, The Nature Fix. And then one of my friends is a wonderful guy. And basically, Bart Foster is trying to do business outside. So instead of all these CEOs meeting in these boardrooms, which are beautiful, usually walnut and fancy furniture and suit and ties. He's like, let's go out for a hike. And what he's found is when he brings these CEOs and these workplaces out, their brains, their, their strategy and their curiosity and creativity just bolsters. So business outside, there's a couple of apps that are great. So Jared Hanley has Nature Quant and has an app called um, Nature Dose that you can download. And basically it's like, kind of like I wear a garment to track my step, but his app will track your time spent outdoors using that 20 minutes per day, 120 minutes per week. So if you have had a week that you like, haven't been working so much or maybe had a ton of kids activities that I'd have to do driving and sitting inside watching basketball games, you can have this app and um, it can help track that. And then there's another really cool app that's getting launched called Nature Time. It's a web-based app with Iris Rosen. And I'm going to be doing some content on that, some blogs. And so, you know, I was out hiking. I was on my wellness workday walk yesterday down by our little stream on Canyon Ranch. And, you know, just I'll put out some just little bonus tips and things like that. So we're starting to see more and more of this awareness and I'm um, trying to just keep people healthy and living their best life. Right. You know, I'm in my 50s and I feel like, wow, I want to still create adventures in my life and be my best version of myself. And that includes just being active and getting outdoors and taking care of my body. And so that's what my calling and passion is for myself and to disseminate that to my patients. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your tips and some practical ideas that we can all use to, to get a little bit more time in nature. Thanks for having me. And this has been great. And I welcome the opportunity to talk about what I love to do. Thank you so much. 